This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 172. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm Riley Bowman, your host today. And somewhere Jacob is yes. around. There he is. <laughs> Riley is the man whose stepdad snuck him into a secure area as a child. And I am Jacob Paulson. All the time. All the time. Multiple times. <laughs> and it's a good story, but I can't I can't go into the details here. And Jacob is the guy who placed a surveillance video camera on his bedroom door when he was sixteen years old. And not because I was up to any shenanigans, just because I've always had great obsession with physical security and particularly surveillance video cameras. I think you were abused as a child. <laughs> <laughs> if I was abused, would they have let me have a surveillance video camera on my bedroom door? Maybe maybe you uh, installed it, uh, you know, discreetly. Maybe. They, no, they know. <laughs> <laughs> I just tease them. That's awesome. That's funny, actually. I, I never would have considered that as a as a 16-year-old. Mostly I would have been like, oh, those things got to be too expensive for my limited funds. Well, at anyway. age 16, I worked at Radio Shack, so I had good access. You really are a nerd. <laughs> I was pumped. I worked hard to get that job. Uh, that's actually a pretty cool job, I think, for a 16-year-old. Good work, man. Today, we are talking about eight times that gun owners had their guns taken away from them. And sometimes those guns were used against those gun owners. Humbling, terrifying stories, many of these. And I'm looking forward to get into getting into it with you, Jacob, because I think there's just so much that we can learn from these stories. Uh, much like that uh, episode we did where we talked about the man that got shot and killed at the Walgreens. Mm, episode 100, right? I think. Yeah. I mean, a sad, tragic story, one that's difficult to talk about, uh, but uh, it, it, there's just so much good stuff to learn from it because we don't want to end up like that. And this is a perfect example where we don't want to ever find ourselves in a situation where someone takes our gun away from us or it falls out of a holster or something uh, during an altercation, uh, which one of those stories that happens too here that we're going to talk about. So anyway, really good episode today. And today's episode is brought to you by Brave Response, which is the company that is famous for and makes the Brave Response holster that we sell. And uh, I'm carrying today, actually, in the Brave Response holster, a Brave Response holster, a little tease that uh, this is a new product that uh, uh, is going to be coming out very soon that I've been wearing and testing. And I got to say, Jacob, I love it. Yes, I also am wearing a Brave Response holster. And uh, yeah, the, the kind of their traditional holster, I mean, it's it's just huge, right? We, we've sold tons of them to everybody and it's not for everybody and that's fine which is why we have a 60 day no questions asked return policy but yeah keep your eye open because here soon we're going to be talking about some extensions to that product line yes absolutely anyway we appreciate brave responses support of our podcast and for making this possible so i hope that you take a moment and support them in some way uh, check out the products available at concealedcarry.com forward slash brave response. And today's episode is also brought to you by Guardian Nation and also by Snag Mag, a fairly new uh, sponsor, but we've I think we've mentioned them once or twice before as well. Cool stuff, cool products. 
Anyway, Jacob, I think it's time uh, that we should just get into these stories because we've got quite a few to cover and Mm -hmm. a lot of great discussion focused around these. So how do you want to go about it? Well, let's let's start with let's start with one of these. Take it away. All right. So this is from KSU, Ken- Kennesaw State University. It's in Georgia. I, I I honestly don't know how to pronounce that. Kennesaw, Kennesaw, sure. K- KSU in Georgia. All right. So here's the deal. We got a student, and this student I assume must have his permit because he's armed. He's got his gun, and he is loading some stuff into his car. It doesn't specify where he was on campus or you know what why he was loading stuff in his car, but it's it's three forty a.m. So it's pretty early in the morning, ripe time for for criminals to be out. Maybe he maybe he was studying at the library. Library, yeah, sure, you know, <laughs> doing homework. Anyway, he's loading some stuff into his car, and as he's doing this, two men carrying handguns approached him. The men demand that the student hand over his wallet and gun. Okay, so stop and think about that for a second. If the men are demanding that you hand over your wallet and gun, what is that indicative of? They knew you had a gun, right? So the the news story doesn't give us a ton more detail as far as, you know, was he open carrying? Was it concealed? Um, I, I think, you know, open carry is not allowed on, on campuses in, in Georgia, as I understand it, and as the article goes on to explain. So I think we're left to believe that he was carrying concealed, but failed to conceal it properly. Right. You know, this story is fascinating, Jacob, because it was like three weeks earlier, you know, from when this happened, that Georgia's campus carry law went into effect. And here, right off the bat, you have a story where, uh, I'm sure the anti-gunners and those that fought against the passage of that law would point at the story and say, see, see, we can't have guns on campus. Well, <laughs> I don't think that this story proves anything one way or another, either pro or, or against campus carry. But uh, you're right. So in, in going over the story, uh, it's clear that somehow these guys, I mean, like I said, they demanded that he hand over his wallet and gun. Uh, so we're assuming that they could see, that, you know, that he was carrying a gun, that he was printing or, or something. Uh, well, imagine maybe, if he, if you're bending over, right? If you're loading stuff into true. a car, you're probably bending over, and we all know how that goes. That traditional, you know, IWB position four or five o'clock. When you bend over, what happens? The shirt rides up, and boom, there's a gun. Yeah, that's always, uh, I think, one of the most vulnerable times for a concealed carrier, particularly if they carry in a manner like that. Uh, OWB, 3 o'clock, IWB, 4, 4.30, small of back, anything like that is uh, prime time for uh, you know something to happen as far as uh, either exposing your gun or being taken advantage of. Like, you know, you're, you're in a compromised position when you're leaning over trying to put things away in a vehicle, which is exactly what was ha- what happened here. And so he was taken advantage of. Um, so anyway, that's the first story. Uh, apparently this man prints or whatever, and they come up and they rob him of his wallet and his gun. Mm-hmm. Story yep. number two, this one out of Gresham, Oregon. Uh, a man practicing open carry was robbed of the gun he was openly carrying. <laughs> and, you know, this is one of the things that we talk about sometimes with open carry, Jacob, right? You know, where it's like you're obviously out in the open, so it makes you a target, right? So what happened here was this man, it was about 2 a.m. Uh, in October. This was actually 2014. 
and uh, he, a young man, asked him for his gun and flashed his own weapon as persuasion. So basically, uh, a young man came up. He actually kicked. He uh, he kind of primed the man by asking him for a cigarette. So he, the younger man asked the older man, says, "Hey, you know, can I have a cigarette?" And as he was um, getting ready to kind of comply, the young man says, "Hey, what about your, you know, tell me about your gun. I like your gun." And then he said, "Give it to me." So he handed over the gun. <laughs> yeah, these are young. These are young people. So the victim here, the gun owner who lost his gun, uh, was 21 years old, and he had just bought that gun. Uh, I think earlier that day or something. Didn't it say that? Did I miss that? Yeah. Yeah. He purchased the handgun earlier yeah. that day. He was talking to his cousin and that's when this guy comes up, asks for the cigarette, then asks for his gun and, and says, you know, waves his own gun says, seriously, give it to me. So that sucks. Wow. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, there's a couple things here that just blow my mind, Jacob, you know I mean? Number one that he just like, okay, here, take my gun. <laughs> You know, I mean, like, that's kind of scary. Uh, oh, man. But this is one of the big challenges with open carry. I mean, it's like, you know, he he, he couldn't just deny he didn't have a gun. I mean, like, imagine if someone came up to you and they're like, hand me over your gun because they thought they saw a bulge under your shirt. Well, you could totally, you know, at least try to play off like, oh, I don't have a gun. I don't know what you're talking about, you know. But in this case, like, it's out in the open. Everybody sees it. Give me your gun, man. And the man asking for your gun also has a gun. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Like, seriously, think about that. What would you do if you were in this situation? Yeah, it's not fun to draw and shoot on someone who's already drawn on you, right? I mean, it, it's it's just hard to imagine you're going to be faster at getting that gun out, presenting it on target, and squeezing the trigger than they will be at just squeezing a trigger. So it's a, it's a horrible, horrible situation to be in. Right. And like, you don't even have the opportunity to use element of surprise in the situation. Like in some cases, if you were concealed, you know, you could try creating some sort of distraction, you know, keep them talking, maybe blade your body away as you kind of slowly and carefully, you know, go for your gun that's concealed. Like you don't have that option here. You have no element of surprise. So mm-hmm. you, you can't get the drop on them. Really. You can't really swing that element of surprise. Like right now, this, this young robber has the drop on you. They have the, the element of surprise. You were just caught off guard. You don't. And there's really not a whole lot you could do to try to take that, that back. Yeah. Yeah. That ship has sailed. Let's, let's do one more story. And then we, I think we, we can have a, a little more discussion here about a couple of these things. So guns.com. Uh, uh, wrote a story back in May of 2016. And this is a pretty famous story. I mean, I've seen this talked about and covered in a number of different places uh, because it's got a lot of attention because there was some surveillance video that went along with this as well. And this is the story at a Phoenix, Arizona McDonald's where a man is standing, you know, waiting basically to order his food at a McDonald's. And uh, he's got a, a gun like in his back pocket is, is I think what, what it was, right? And the suspect behind him sees or notices the gun and simply walks up and grabs the gun. <laughs> I mean, that easy. Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, it sounded like this thing wasn't even in a holster. It was just sort of stuck in his back pocket. So, I mean, there was nothing there to keep this from happening. He just, in the robbers, like on the phone, on his cell phone, and he just casually walks up, grabs the gun, and then he takes off. And the uh, McDonald's patron, the, the good guy, he uh, initially gives chase, 
Uh, but then the, the suspect uh, threatened him. And so then he gave up chase, but, uh, you know, obviously the suspect got away with his gun. So there you go. That's yeah, that's not bueno. And it, it is kind of fun to watch the surveillance video because, and it's, yeah, it's hard to tell if it was in his back pocket or in a side pocket, but either way it was such that, I mean, with very limited effort, a guy could reach and just grab it and lift it out. Yeah. And it's gone. So well, let's, let's break down these stories a little bit. Uh, we, we talked about the uh, Kennesaw state university one, right? A student loading stuff into his car, two robbers demand his wallet and gun. Then we got the story of the man open carrying and, uh, uh, and then he just hands over his gun. Then we have this McDonald's story. Yeah. So a couple of things that come out, you know, to me right away, the first one would be, and we, you know, you, the way we all love to say this industry is concealed is concealed. You know, if, if you're going to carry concealed, darn it, it better be concealed. And I think that there's this kind of horrible bell curve that, you know, where when you're first a new gun owner, you have a hard time concealing well because you just suck at it. You know, you don't know which clothing is going to work well. You're still trying to get used to the holster and the gun and the positions. And you're, you know, and, and you don't perfectly know yet exactly how to st- sit up and stand, you know, in, in a, get out of a car properly or how to hug people properly and all those little things that you kind of have to adjust to get used to the gun. And, and you, you start to kind of nail some of those things down. You tend to get really good at concealing it properly and well. But unfortunately, of all the places in our industry where I could point at complacency, this is one of them, where it just seems to me that gun owners become concealment complacent very quickly. And and over time, they just start to say, oh, yeah, well, maybe it's printing a little bit. But yeah, most people probably won't notice. No one's ever noticed before, right? I've been doing this for years. So why would they notice today? Uh, you know, what's the big deal? And, and you know, just slowly, you, you know, you, you maybe start to push the limit as far as which clo- what clothing you're wearing or and how you're moving. And I just, I think complacency creeps in really quickly relative to concealment. Right. You know, so I was thinking, and I've probably said at times that there's times where, you know, as it relates to, I think so often I probably think about this or we think about this in terms of if the general public notices that I'm carrying a gun, you know, like general law abiding public. And the concern is that, oh, they're going to call on me and they're going to, you know, make it's that classic uh, police call uh, of, you know, suspicious man with a gun. And so, of course, the police are obligated to investigate. And so they show up and they, you know, start asking you questions. And like, that's like usually what we think about in those situations and are concerned with as far as the printing goes. The reality is that I don't think, I don't think most of the public will hardly ever notice that you are printing. And because uh, there's plenty of instances, and, and I read an article not t- you know a few months ago, and I thought it was really fascinating where some guys tested. They even walked through a mall carrying practically open. Well, they 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 kept doing varying varying degrees of concealment. One was like you know sort of mildly printing. Another time, you know, I think they strapped on the biggest gun they could find in a op- outside the waistband holster, and then put a shirt over top of it and walk through the mall and like no one even notices. And then they actually carry openly like right to the mall and like no one hardly even bats an eye. But where the danger is, is the thugs, <laughs> those street criminals, those hardened criminals out there, they know darn well what that looks like. And that is a concern. And that's what's, that's what's happening here is someone that's savvy enough, that's experienced enough that goes, wait a minute, there's a bulge there. I think I know what that is. And now you're a target. 
if they, yep. if they can get you know if they can surprise you if they can get that drop on you. Yep, and I and, and when people open carry, you know, in one of these cases, maybe two of these stories that we just reviewed were t- dealing with an open carry situation. When people open carry, they often justify that by saying, "Well, I am being a deterrent to the bad guy, right? If, if there's a bad guy near here, they're going to see me and say, "Ooh, I better I better not do anything naughty around around here. That guy's got a gun.'" But what we're what we're seeing here are examples of bad guys who see that as an opportunity. They're like, "Oh, look, shiny gun! I want that." And and so you know we have to understand that it's not as as black and white as oh I'm deterring you know hardened active shooters. Um, well, maybe you're attracting you know criminal attention uh, above and beyond just the public potential you know concern. And I appreciate you talking about that, Riley, because I think you're right. I think that most of the time you know that deeper concern is this idea of. Oh, I'm going to cause panic and, and disturbance, and, and we don't stop to think. Well, I'm actually going to make myself a target for firearm theft. You know, to your point, I I don't see it so much as a, uh, you know, I, I would say that it, it depends on the type of criminal, right? So I do think open carry is a deterrent to some types of criminals. Sure, you know? sure, but it it is like you like we just said. I mean. It, yeah, it's going to deter some criminals or maybe most criminals, but it's going to be a key to those that are like the worst kind of criminals. Do you see what I mean? Like it will work against most average. They just don't, you know, they're not trying to, uh, they're criminals that aren't trying to get shot. You know, they, they don't want to take any additional, any unnecessary risk, but the ones that will notice and will do something about that, those are the ones that are actually scary. Mm-hmm. And, right. I, and I think us good law-abiding gun owners sometimes uh, sometimes underestimate how big the black market is for stolen guns. Oh yeah, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, you, you just have to look at all of the recent reports all across the country, and especially even right here locally in Colorado. Uh, all these there was just another one on Sunday morning. Uh, gun stores being robbed. And why, why do you think they're being robbed? Because those are good money on the street. Those guns. Mm. Yep. Right. So, yeah, uh, black market's huge. Stolen guns was a bad idea. Uh, be mindful of printing because it, it it can make you a target. Be mindful of open carry because it can make you a target to people you do not want to be a target to. And that's the thing. Like, y- y- it's a deterrent. That's, that was my other thought, and I kind of forgot about it. it. Open carry is a deterrent, I think, generally, as long as you are, like, perfectly aware <laughs> on your game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause as soon as you let your guard down, bam, there's the opportunity. And some of these are just that, you know, the man's standing waiting to order his food and he, his attention is taken, you know, it's, he, he, it's somewhere else for a moment and there's the opportunity and whoop, dude just swooped right in and made off with his gun. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's lucky that, you know, it didn't get used on him. Yeah, he is. So not everyone will be so lucky uh, in all our news stories. Right, right. So let's get into some more stories here. Uh, why don't you take this next one? Whitehall man loses gun lottery tickets and scuffle outside store. Uh, this one's horrible. Okay. So a man is walking into a store to buy lottery tickets when two men, two men asked him for change. Hey man, you got some change, you know, probably something like that. Right. And he said, no, I don't have any. And he goes in the store and he buys his lottery tickets. Hold, and, hold on right there. Have you ever been asked by some random stranger on the street, hey, you got any change? Oh, yeah, sure. Plenty of times. Right? We yeah, all have. No big deal. I mean, so just 
put that in context that you kind of go, oh, hey, man, sorry. Like, like my response most of the time now is like, dude, I don't even carry cash on me anymore. Like, sorry, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't carry cash. Right? So. Yep. So it happens all the time. All the time. After he exits the stores with his lottery tickets, one of those men pointed a gun at him and said, don't get shot over change, end quote. The victim, armed with his own gun, fought the man. Now, to be clear here, I know what you're thinking. At first, you hear this and you might think, okay, the good guy, he must have pulled his own gun. That's not actually what happened. He got into a physical fight with this man. So maybe maybe he like grabs the gun and tries to kind of push it off off and you know starts to struggle and I don't know. So, but but it's a physical altercation. Okay, we know that because of what it says next. Quote, during the struggle, the victim, that's the good guy who bought the lottery tickets, the victim's pistol fell from its holster. Okay, so so meaning that the gun owner never pulled the gun out of his own holster. He, he had left it there. It was remain it was remaining in the holster, and he was just merely in a fight over probably the criminal's gun and or the situation. And during that altercation, his own handgun fell out of its holster. The two men, the two bad guys, took the victim's gun and his lottery tickets and fled in a vehicle. So I guess the the main lesson to be learned on this one, Riley, is you know don't buy lottery tickets. It's not a gamble you can win. <laughs> uh, I find it interesting, by the way, this uh, last sentence of the victim reported a woman in the car yelled, why did you just do that? As the driver fled South on a lane Avenue. So it's almost like there's a woman in the vehicle that was not expecting or planning on this sort of thing happening. Uh, but um, so I, I kind of read into this story, Jacob, a little bit. And think that there must have been something else about the situation, uh, you know, detail-wise, that we just don't see and we just don't have. As far as, uh, in judging by even the statement from the female occupant of the getaway vehicle, that uh, there must have been some reason why uh, these guys decided to target this man, this lottery ticket uh, buyer, um, which we will, you know, likely never know the answer to that. But so obviously, the focus here is that the man struggles. Uh, with the uh, robber and his gun falls out of its holster. And then of course they just take the gun hit, you know, they take the victim's gun and his lottery tickets and everything and the way they go. That's a pretty, pretty crazy story. I, you know, if you are within close dis- distance, you know, contact distance, arm's length, uh, if someone's pointing a gun at you, guess what? This might be a surprise to some people, but, uh, sometimes if you feel like it's a situation where you must take action, uh, fight, you know, a hand to hand fight, uh, as opposed to just drawing your gun against an already drawn gun is oftentimes the best course of action. Yeah. Uh, meaning that like you can, you can react and startle that person, gain control of their weapon, perhaps faster than you can draw your own weapon and use it. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of, uh, instances and examples that could be pointed to uh when that is the case uh but uh so this is a pretty fascinating story um i know we'll have some additional thoughts well let's let's talk about uh this this other one which is also at a convenience store and this one was in denison texas uh and this one was uh, about a year year and a half ago it was june 2016 and bearing reports and i I know this is their their write up of this, and they they say, and this was actually written by the late Bob Owens. Uh, uh, he's you know passed away now, and 
Rest in peace, good man. And he says here, a poorly trained Texas man learned these lessons the hard way. And referring to a firearm is not a talisman against evil. Merely, merely possessing a firearm doesn't make you safe if you lack the proper training and mindset. And there's a difference between concealed and concealed. So this was also a crime of opportunity. Speaking of crimes of opportunity where a woman notices she's standing behind this man in line at the convenience store. She notices that he's printing. He's carrying concealed and she can tell because she can see the print of the gun. She steps in, grabs his gun out of his holster and holds him up and uh, tells him, you know, you know, basically give me, give me your wallet and all that stuff. Right. The man, his response to this woman grabbing his gun is, Hey lady, it's loaded. There's one in the chamber. You need to get it back. (laughs) (laughs) And he stepped towards her to get it. But apparently she, you know, she, she says she poked at him and hit him in the chin. She then struck the man with the barrel into the gun, slapped the wallet out of his hand, stepped on the wallet to prevent it, him from retrieving his wallet. Uh, at this time, the clerk came around the counter and attempted to help the man. Uh, she picked up the wallet, stepped back, uh, likely pointed the guns at them and, and turned and ran. A funny part of this whole story and funny, I mean, because she's one of the world's dumbest criminals. She goes through all this effort and succeeds in running off with the man's gun and his wallet, but leaves her own purse with her identification inside at the store. And so a short time later, she is caught. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Now, maybe you said this, but I don't think I heard you say it right. So I was going to reiterate that it says that the the woman who saw this handgun tucked beneath his shirt, quote, um, let's see, where is it exactly? She lifted his shirt unholstered the weapon and pointed it at the man. So this gun was not exposed such that she could just grab the gun. She lifted his shirt up and then unholstered the firearm. Yeah. That that's pretty clear as to how it all went down. I mean, that's how you know that, that it was printing, that she could see that it was printing, that she could tell the man had a gun, you know, that she goes to the effort to lift up his shirt, pull the gun right out of the holster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this this is one of those really scary ones where I kind of feel for the gun owner a little bit. Um, we don't know how long he had been carrying, you know, concealed, how long he had his permit. But what's clear is that it was, it was not concealed very pro- well and that it had never crossed his mind, not even once, that someone would steal that gun from him uh, to steal it. I mean, his mind, when that thing came out of its holster and he turned around and looked at that woman and his brain, it's almost like he was thinking that she was just going to admire it and hand it back. Uh, you know, he, and I don't think it crossed his mind. He had never mentally prepared for the for the possibility someone might try and take that gun from him and use it against him. Yeah, I, I know you and I talked about this story before, and that was kind of the observation that was made. I, I think because of the language that he uses, it's like, "Hey, lady, that that thing's loaded. It's got one in the chamber. You know, I need you need to give it back. Like, like, well, what are you doing? Grabbing my gun out of my out of my holster? Like, it hasn't even crossed his mind yet what she's trying to do." This story is fascinating because, you know, when I said this was a crime of opportunity, I I quite literally mean like I imagine this situation as she is maybe maybe she has a criminal record. Maybe she's done some similar things or, you know, she's pickpocketed or 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 whatever in the past. Uh, I I don't know that I see her as a as a violent criminal. We we don't know that for sure. Obviously, I'm reading into a little bit, but I, I see this as a she saw an opportunity. And 
quite literally, you know, like says, wait a minute, this guy's got a gun. He's distracted. Uh, I think I can just reach right in here, grab his gun, and then I can rob him of his wallet, which he already has in his hand right there. And then, bam, I'm 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 away scot free. It, it it literally just seems like to me that she didn't necessarily walk into that store that that night expecting to rob anybody, but saw an opportunity and went for it. I could be wrong. Yeah, but. no, I I think that's true. She obviously wasn't mentally prepared for it either, having left her purse behind. <laughs> true, true. Actually, that's a good point. So don't give the opportunity, you know, and, and so concealed really means concealed. When we talk about it being concealed, it should really truly be and stay concealed, uh, not only because of safety, uh, but because we don't want to create that opportunity uh, as it has happened. I mean, the, 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 another great example is that McDonald's story. That just clearly to me was probably an opportunity uh where the man, the, the, the robber is on his phone. He's probably just like chilling, you know, just on the phone, talking to his girl, waiting to place his own order and just happens to see, wait a minute, that dude's got a gun. Okay. You know, and they just, hello opportunity. So if we give him the opportunity, then I think that that fault is definitely on us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's see here. Let's do one more story here and then let's, uh, Break down a few more things. Guns stolen and armed robbery, concealed carry fail? <laughs> so here, we don't have a lot of details about kind of what was going on. But what we what we have here is uh, the victim. He is chilling. It's 9 p.m. and he's hanging out. And he's approached by two attackers who hit him with a gun. So I imagine that he's probably carrying concealed. He's hanging out. He's doing his thing. And these two attackers come up and just boom, they pop him with a gun. Maybe they caught him, you know, behind from behind, or maybe they came up to him and, you know, under the guise of, of some friendly thing. We don't know. Um, but they, they, it says, quote, they put him face down on the ground, frisk, frisked him and stole the victim's concealed weapon, end quote. So, you know, they pissed with this guy. He goes down onto the ground. And they, they want him on the ground. They want him down. And they probably, I'm guessing, maybe they're looking for a wallet or something. Uh, maybe they didn't know the gun was there at all until they started to kind of frisk the man. And then they find the gun. Now, maybe the opposite is true. Maybe they totally knew that guy had a gun. They saw from a distance, like, oh, dude's got a gun. Uh, you know, we can see it. But clearly, he was carrying a small back or kind of IWB four or five o'clock because it says that he was face down when they frisked him and stole his weapon. So, you know, he, he definitely had an issue here where he was caught off guard. Uh, whether they knew he had the gun or not may or may not be relevant. It's, I mean, I suppose it's relevant if that's why he was targeted. But regardless, he was in a position where he could not retain that gun and he lost it. Yeah. So if you read this article at the truthaboutguns.com, like there's there's some really good points, I think, that's made in this article. And I, and, and I think probably because it's written by Dean Weingarten, who I really, really respect as a writer. Uh, we featured him a number of times on our podcast with different stories he's read, written, particularly was his stories uh, from Australia about Australian gun control, just really eye-opening uh, reports out of Australia. But, um, you know, one of the points that's made here is, or the question is asked, well, what if this guy had been carrying openly? You know, because some advocates for open carry would say, well, if he'd been carrying openly, then they, they wouldn't have picked him as a threat or as a target, right? Because they would have mm-hmm. seen that he had a gun, seen that clearly gone, mm, we'll pick on somebody else. But he makes a point that, well, that's maybe not necessarily the case because some of these criminals that really hold no regard for human life whatsoever, they may have just shot him first and asked questions later. 
yeah. you know, look yeah, for that I opportunity mean, to, to just, you know, like I said, get the jump on him and, and just pull the trigger and, you know, down he goes. He doesn't even know what hit him. Yeah, if you're a criminal who's willing to walk up to someone and smack them across the head with a gun, then you're not scared of them having a gun. <laughs> Right. I mean, if you're if you're going to force someone face down on the ground and pat them down, then you are not concerned about the fact that they have a gun. You simply uh, are going to move move fast and be aggressive and do what you got to do. I mean, you know, criminals are more brazen than we care to admit. Absolutely. There's there's many different types and degrees of criminals out there, and I think that's important and relevant to this discussion. Uh, as I've kind of touched on earlier as well, you know, as far as open carry may deter some types of criminals, but not all of them. And for some of them, it will just make you more of a target and they'll just find that opportunity where your guard is down because we can't always hundred percent of the time be perfectly, you know, aware of our surroundings and watching every little detail. And I mean, because we have to go about living our lives, there's always a time and a period where there's going to be an opportunity for someone to, uh, if, if they're really looking for it and if they've really targeted us, and for some reason, because they see that gun or they've noticed the gun and they've decided, you know, that we are now a target, it's not that hard for them to then find that opportunity to slip in there and, and do something. So let's, uh, so in this next little segment here, we, we covered this uh, story, uh, lottery ticket story. And I think we kind of broke that one down pretty good uh, so far. But, you know, I do want to go back, Jacob, to this point where it says, during the struggle, the victim's pistol fell from its holster. Mm-hmm. That, that, that tells us a lot. Uh, and really, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I don't have to um, act like anybody's stupid or anything, but it tells us that clearly that holster did not do a good job of hanging onto that gun. It was poor at retention. And, you know, and many holsters fall in this category. In fact, I would even say some of you out there are thinking, well, it should have been a Kydex holster. There are plenty of Kydex holsters out there that I have seen that do not have that good of retention. Where it, the gun just goes in and, and it, you know, it clicks in and clicks out just way too easy in my opinion. Uh, you know, a, a holster that I really like for OWB carry is the uh, um, Q-series, what is it? The, it's the OWB oh, one. Co- co- um, is it the Covert? Hold on, I'm looking at covert. The covert. No, covert's the OWB. It's the stealth. The stealth is the little clip. I think so. I'm thinking of the covert though. That's the OWB holster. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, OWB. That thing, I'll tell you, is awesome for retention. Like it is like click, you know. And then like some, it's to a point where it slows down my draw, getting it out of the holster. Which you kind of have to balance that. You know, it's like between okay, do I want to be able to draw and shoot fast, or do I want really solid retention? And I actually use QuickDraw, you know, the product we've talked about on this podcast a number of times uh, to, you know, keep that thing in, in basically, I think I have to use QuickDraw to keep that thing in like perfect operating condition because if, if it gets dirty at all, then like the retention just becomes like really solid, uh, which means it's good for retention. It's just too much for getting the gun out of the holster quickly and effectively. So well, you gotta ask two- yourself, yeah, what's what's more likely? You know, am I a competitive shooter? Or am I using this holster for competitive shooting? Because if so, draw speed is everything, right? But if I'm gonna go get in a brawl over some lottery tickets, retention better be freaking working. Yeah. And and I you know, along these lines of retention, and, and Riley, I feel like I might have cut you off, so I'm feeling a little bit guilty, but I'm gonna keep on talking. No so Along the lines of retention, you, you, we have what we call active retention and passive retention. So what you're describing, for example, with this Kydex holster, the, the, the uh, 
what's what's your name? Already lost it. The, the Q series. series. Yeah, the Q series. Uh, the yeah. covert, which by the way will be in our Black Friday sale. Anyway, for the Q series covert holster, you know that that is a passive retention, even though it's very strong. It's passive. And what we mean by passive, similar to like safeties on a gun, is, is that you don't have to think to hit a switch, hit a button, unclip something. You just grab it and yank hard, and it's going to come out. And there's various different types of passive retention, obviously. Um, but but in this case, it's just a really tight retention mold on, on that Kydex. Then you have what we would call active retention systems where maybe there's a strap over the gun and I got to hit a thumb break or something like that. Or maybe a little button I got to push with my finger in order to disengage the retention. Um, you know, there's that, is it the professional series from N8 Squared where it's kind of a twist and then a pull? Um, you know, you, you have to twist the gun in, in order to disengage the retention on that one. So, so there's, there's lots of different types of holster retention the the key is that it actually has to have some form of retention and depending on how i'm carrying it different types are going to be uh, you know, different types of retention might be necessary. So if I am carrying that gun, for example, about three or four or five o'clock on my, on my waist, I probably need a greater amount of retention than if I'm carrying appendix. Totally agree because that carrying on the waist, especially if it's behind your hip bone, which is so prevalent in the IWB carry world. And what is the most popular holster for IWB carry? It's these hybrid holsters a lot of times, you know, like typically a leather backed Kydex outer holster that really just re, you know relies upon this clicking into the holster that can be you know stronger or weaker but i'll tell you i have bought holsters that were hybrid holsters way back in the day and including one from a very reputable maker that when i got it and i put it on i was like they say this has retention but it really doesn't like it it really did not do anything for retention it was so easy just to grab and, and pull that out of the holster so i took the heat gun to it and change the shape, particularly around the trigger guard, so that it became a very aggressive, uh, you know, it had a lot more retention to it. And, you know, that was a lot better. I mean, but I think that's almost what you have to do at times because I've seen it too often where holsters just don't have enough retention. But keep in mind that we're not just talking about retention of a holster and there's many good holsters out there and many different styles of retention i mean you could be talking about safari land als which literally has like a little thumb uh uh uh, we'll just call it a switch right you got to push a a lever back or downward with your thumb which disengages uh, an active form of retention which allows the gun to come out of the holster hey it's a really great form of retention particularly for concealed holsters you don't see it very often something like that in a concealed holster but i know guys that carry that way and it's very effective um and so definitely that's that's a really good way to go but we're not just talking about that you touched on already jacob position of carry changes things dramatically for you you said that retention in the three four five o'clock position needs to be greater as far as that physical retention of the holster than if it was in the appendix position and that's exactly right that's it's entirely true because those positions are a lot more vulnerable to these types of gun grabs mm-hmm. by far i mean it's not even comparable right uh, i mean can you imagine trying to grab a gun off me when it's in the appendix position in the front? 
you're gonna have a you're gonna have a hard time. <laughs> so so there's, there's really three three factors here, perhaps that we could if we're really trying to be like scientific and sound intelligent. One would be the idea of the holster itself and the amount of retention that it it contributes. Second would be just pure position. Holster aside, you know it's going to be easier to retain in appendix in the front of my body than it is in the back. And then a third consideration is what I'll call just straight up technique. And I don't mean technique in, in terms of not printing and concealing, but actually your ability, should there be an, uh, an incident, some sort of confrontation, your ability to lock it down and be able to prevent them from getting it. You know, we talk about things like using your arm, even your elbow, whatever it might be, to kind of you know push and put pressure on the gun against your body to kind of really make it difficult. Uh, you know, you become an, another form of retention. Also, a common technique that is taught is this idea of kind of twisting and yanking in different directions to try and you know essentially re- reduce their grip and their strength on on that firearm. But I think, you know, think of it that way. My holster is a tool for retention. The position I choose to carry it is a tool for retention, but also my own technique and foresight in terms of thinking, what am I going to do if is, is probably the most important thing for retention. Well, I think we have to introduce into this part of the conversation mindset because mm. something else that's really important here is that you are prepared mentally uh, in that, I'll tell you, when I, particularly when I'm carrying OWB or IWB in the traditional position and sense, I, I am almost paranoid of the fact that my gun's sort of hanging out there. Particularly, this is one of the reasons why I've struggled for some time now with IWB carry because I hate the fact that my gun is be, is behind me essentially, right? It just feels so vulnerable to me. And so I'll tell you, especially in those situations when I'm carrying in that position, I, I am, you know, my mindset is such that if I feel anything out of place, uh, somebody bumping into me, uh, somebody, uh, you know, like, there's been times uh, admittedly where my wife has sort of like, you know, without me realizing it, she sort of snuck up beside me or behind me and, you know, goes and I don't know, puts her hand uh, somewhere on me, you know, like a, a typical husband wife gesture, you know, like she could put her arm around me. And like, if she does that and surprises me uh, and like it, t- she makes contact with my gun, I, I, you know, my first instinct is like, whoa, whoa, you know, right. You know, but then I realize who it is and I realize what she's doing, but the, the, we need to be, our mindset needs to be in such a place where we are, we are plugged in. We are tuned in to, if somebody puts their hand on this gun, like I've got to take, I got to be in a place where I can act now because that takeaway is going to happen very fast. Right. Some guys will talk about and advocate for carrying uh, on their weak side uh, a knife or something, you know, like a a common one is uh, like a karambit knife or uh, uh, one of these, um, TDI knives, right? That that's so so popular. It's typically typically carried inside waistband in a little um, kydex or or overmolded holster. The idea being that oh, if someone's going to take my gun, I'm going to grab that knife and I'm going to slash them, and then, then they're not going to be able to take it. Can you react that fast to that takeaway to where you can actually deploy that knife and slash them? No, you can't. So even if you're going to deploy a knife and bring a knife into the equation, as far as protecting a gun uh, for retention purposes, there's got to be something else that has to happen first. And so you've got to clamp down, you know, over top of their hand on your gun with your hand, you, or you got to, you know, when I'm carrying, especially OWB or just in that three or four o'clock position, my, my natural instinct is if I feel something or somebody there anywhere close to the gun, if there, if, if a hand's going to go on that thing, then I'm driving my, my arm, my elbow right down into it. 
and I'm going to do everything I can to keep that gun in that holster. And then you got to go to plan, you know, to step two or plan B. Like, okay, I've stopped the initial takeaway. Now I've got a twist, turn away. Uh, maybe I've got a strike with my other other hand, palm. Maybe I'm grabbing a knife and, you know, do, going something there. Um, but the point is that different positions of carry uh, have definitely advantages. Uh, the appendix carry position has huge advantages in this regard because it's in front of you. It's in your workspace you can protect it so much more effectively. And in some of these cases, like we read this story where the man is put face down on the ground and they're frisking him. They may, you know, in, in a rushed situation, like a robbery like this, where most people carry a wallet, it's maybe a back pocket, or they might even reach around and fill a front pocket, but they might totally miss that there's a gun in the waistband, you know, at your center line when you're laying on the ground like that. So in that situation right there, appendix carry could have been a lifesaver as far as like, I know that he didn't lose his, his life, but, but it could have been a lifesaver as far as like retaining that gun and keeping that on your person, not having it be taken away because it was in front of you in that workspace area, as opposed to back where it's just way too easy for someone to notice and, and particularly in a frisk. Sorry. I kind of went all over the place there, but, uh, mm-hmm. just a well, lot I mean- of thoughts I had, uh, coming out <laughs> yeah and I, th- I think we can continue to kind of, kind of talk through this i'm going to share one of, another one of these news stories because i think it will kind of reiterate and allow us to talk further about the position point this one's out of indianapolis and this one's the most recent one of all the stories we're sharing today this is october 23rd 2017 and what you have here is a crazy dude goes into a kroger grocery store He's talking loud. He asks some employee where the kitchen knives are, goes to the aisle where the kitchen knives are, opens a box, pulls a kitchen knife out, and stabs the first shopper he finds. And when he stabs the shopper, the shopper goes down to the ground in, in, in essentially like what we would think of like a fetal position. And that's when the stabber, the bad guy with the knife, notices dude's got a gun. Uh, because think about it, if you if you're if, if you're in the fetal position on the ground, you know someone's beating on you, kicking you, or, or you've been stabbed and you've just gone down, and you're in that position. Where would they not notice the gun, and where would they notice the gun? Well, you are essentially bent over, and we all know what happens when you bend over. And so, sure enough, that gun, you know, that was sitting in the back of this dude's waistband was exposed, and boom, grab it, and we're off with it. And and not only did the the knife stabbing dude take the gun, but he shot the guy, the gun owner, with it three times. Uh, and so. Yeah, so so this this gentleman, I mean, that's horrible. Can you imagine? I mean, you're not just a stab victim now. You've been shot three times with your own gun. So we talk, you know, we're talking about that position. You you mentioned the guy who kind of goes down on the ground and you know he's laid down face down, and so they're frisking him and they find it in the back. And now there's this other guy who goes down because of a knife wound, and same thing, the gun becomes exposed, and it's an easy place to snag and grab. Uh, so it, it's just an unfortunate reality. And, and I'm not saying it can't be done properly or that, you know, that no one should ever carry in the IWB back, you know, position again. That's still kind of my preferred spot. But there's just, I mean, if you have any concern, if you're at all paranoid or worried about the possibility that someone is going to get access to that gun or see that gun or that it's going to become exposed in a confrontation, well, slide that sucker around the front. Sure. Like I say, you know, I mean, I, I can't help but hear this story uh, from this Kroger store uh, and think that w- what was the mindset of this particular guy? And and I, I know it's not fair to judge him and say he did something wrong, but, you know, it just seems like he was so, so vulnerable. 
you know, like all right, this guy was able to just walk up to him and stab him, you know, and then take his gun and shoot him. I mean, it just it just seems like there had to have been some mistakes made here to me. Uh, yeah, he didn't see him coming. It did kind of say something about the guy tur- kind of turning a corner, um, you know, so it's like all of a sudden like, oh, hey, hey, you know, boom, like knife in your face. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think all around there's there's a lot of concerns there about, you know, being aware of our situation and things like that. It, it's so easy to become complacent, guys. Like it is so easy after after years of carrying that gun around for you to just be, you know, even just distracted by something momentarily. And that, that could be the time it catches you. So, I mean, it's it, sure we can all sit here and just say, well, I'll just never become distracted ever. I'll never, ever drop my guard. I'll always be aware of my surroundings. And to that, I call a big a good luck, but bull crap. Um, you know, ultimately, yeah, we all got to do the best we can. And I'm not saying we should we should give up. But I'm also saying that hedging our bets by, you know, maximizing our opportunities for these situations, should we be caught off guard, is not a bad strategy or a thing to consider. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, you know, and it is so difficult to be 100% of the time uh, fully aware of your surroundings. I do think that one thing that is, uh, I, I think for me, and maybe I just have many years of, of practice that is easy to do, is I, I try to look at every person that is that I come in contact with, uh, that's in my uh, area, you know, in my sur- surroundings, and I, I I judge them. I make an evaluation of every person. I mean, you've probably seen me. I don't know if you notice. I don't know if you care. Maybe you do, but I'm like constantly like <laughs> I just can't help myself but to look at people and go, is this a threat or not? Like, and that's probably not exactly what I'm saying in my mind, like, is this person a threat? But I'm looking at every person. I'm trying to figure out who is this person, you know, where are they going, where are they coming from? What's their story? You know, like, and I think very quickly you can, you can judge based on body language, demeanor, expressions on the face that, okay, this person's someone I need to pay attention to. And I've been in situations where someone is like, you know, they, they fit that category. We're like, okay, I need to pay special attention to this person. And what you hear about this story from this Kroger, Jacob, is that people were aware of this guy before the attack happened, meaning he was being loud. He was being uh, uh, disruptive. He was talking loudly, being, re- it says one witness said that uh, a, a younger man was walking around with a cell phone being really verbal. Another witness said he was just being very loud and disruptive. Okay. So in other words, this is a person that I'm paying close attention to if if I'm in that store. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that is easy. I mean, I hate to say this easy, but I think it's something that we can do, that we can all do, that we're paying attention to to people around us, what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're acting, what what their demeanor is, and making those those evaluations all the time. So hopefully we're not caught off guard because if this guy was truly being loud and disruptive, like people say he was, now maybe he quieted down and he and he waited, you know, he looked for this opportunity to ambush. But I'll tell you what, like that's that's why I I, kind of wonder if this concealed carrier that was killed, uh, if he hadn't made some mistakes somewhere as far as re- regarding his personal safety and, and, uh, and awareness. Well, I think situational awareness is a very valid topic of this conversation retention, right? I mean, th- how of these stories we've, we've mentioned so far, I think we've mentioned seven of them. It, basically that's a common thread throughout all of them. And with yep. almost without exception, we're talking about, you know, concealed carriers who are getting caught off guard who didn't see it coming. And so, yeah, situational awareness is an absolute, you know, I think I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I guess what I'm trying to say, because I think it's a very valid, uh, you know, 
point to this conversation. Yeah. I think we had one more story here. Uh, mm, Walmart. Yeah, this is the Walmart bathroom one from uh, mailtribune.com. Attacker steals man's concealed handgun in Walmart bathroom, police say. A man with a concealed weapon permit was assaulted in a Walmart bathroom. Uh, this was back in, uh, I think, June, no, September 2015. Uh, and so this man was assaulted in Walmart bathroom, had his handgun stolen, Medford police said. This was in uh, Medford, uh, Oregon, I Oregon. believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so a 25-year-old permit holder. Okay. So this is a, a relatively young man. He's, he's a permit holder. He carried a Springfield, you know, very specific in this story, a Springfield XD40. All right. Uh, he carried it in the back of his waistband and the shirt covered his weapon. He entered the Walmart about 9 p.m. He went into the store bathroom and was followed by a white man in his mid-30s. He was about six feet, two inches tall and wearing an Oakland Raiders t-shirt. <laughs> Uh, in the bathroom, the man wearing the Raiders shirt unsuccessfully attempted to snatch the gun from the 25 year old man's waistband. He then punched the man in the face, knocking him to the ground. The suspect then grabbed the gun, pointed it at the 25 year old and ordered him to leave. The victim complied and ran into the employee break room. Police were then called. So yeah, this is a situation where, you know, the holster at first somehow perhaps did its job, right? The criminal tries to grab it and yank. It doesn't come free. So then he gets more desperate, you know, sucker punches this dude in the face. He goes to the ground and then the criminal in that, you know, in that mess is, is able finally to, to release the gun and get it. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, I mean, talk about situational awareness. Also talk about position to carry. I mean, small of the back. It says he was wearing it in the back of his waistband. Now, that's not terribly specific. But whether it's small of back or if it was a, a pretty rearward uh, IWB, you know, like 430 or 5, it's a vulnerable position. And uh, initially, this guy, like I said, he he tried to, to snatch it from him from behind. Uh, I, I can't help but wonder. I mean, this guy must have been printing because and, – and that's a very – likely position to print uh, imagine you're at the, the the grocery store at walmart and you're shopping and you've got to reach up or bend down to grab something off a shelf in the small of back or even those like i said more rearward iwb positions is very vulnerable as far as it's just so easy to print or have the gun be exposed when you're bending down or or reaching up high happens mm-hmm. all the time and yeah, you, have, it does. you have to be mindful yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a scary thing, you know. It just is what it is. I mean, I feel a little bit bad, like we're all dim and gloom on on this episode. But every once in a while, we, it's important for us to feature these stories where things go wrong. Uh, it's not always a, a wonderful, successful, justified story. You know, sometimes things do go wrong, and so these are these are eight stories where things went wrong, where the concealed carrier lost his gun, and you know, in in, in some of these cases, was was shot with it. So. <sighs> Well, do you, know, you, do you need to t- do you need to touch the uh, uh, the the burner on the stove to to learn the lesson there, Jacob? No, you don't, and that's the point. That's that's why we have this podcast, right? We're hoping we can all learn from these things, and so I'm trying to kind of come up with a good, you know, some summary thoughts here uh, as as we kind of cycle through this. I, you know, the first thing I would talk about, you know, holsters, right? Retention systems in the holster. It's got to be on point. We got to be considerate of what kind of retention system we might need based on where we're, where we're carrying and, and what the potential risk is. And obviously we have to be trained and, and practiced at disengaging that retention when we draw uh, ourselves. 
um, talking about uh, you know our our own skill set and, and mindset in terms of situational awareness, knowing what's going on around us, and being prepared. Should we get an altercation to win the fight we're in? If it's a fight over the criminal's gun, let's go win that fight. If it's a fight over our gun and retaining it, let's retain it before we try and draw it and use it. Uh, and and really kind of having that good mentality and uh, also position. You know, just to kind of bring it back full circle here. Your position is huge. We we can't overemphasize enough how big of a deal appendix carry is for fire retention. Um, its position doesn't require as much retention in the holster because inherently it's harder to lose that gun, uh, you know, from from the holster, and it it just it just is, guys. Yeah, you know. So talking about all these stories, Jacob. I mean, there's not one solution that solves all problems, certainly. But a common thread, as I see it from my perspective, because you know very well, uh, for me personally, over the last year or so, uh, I've, you know, for a long time, I experimented with different carry positions, especially the appendix position. Uh, But I always struggled finding basically an appendix carry holster that worked for me. Now, part of it was some of some of it was my fault, Uh, just lack of experience with the position. And, you know, initially I probably tried appendix very early on in my, uh, you know, concealed carry days, uh, you know, a number of, uh, you know, a decade plus ago, 15 years ago, maybe almost, no, well, maybe not quite 15, but, but you get the idea. It's been a long time ago. I remember playing around with the appendix position. And w- what I realize now is, I mean, I, I knew, I didn't know a lot then necessarily. And I... I, I number one, I was probably using a holster that was inappropriate for that. Trying to make a holster that was probably more uh, was probably better for other, you know, IWB carry than specifically appendix carry. Uh, not really understanding. Now, granted, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there weren't really that many options holster wise for appendix carry. There were a few, but, but not like we're seeing now and and today. Uh, so, you know, 10 years ago, I mean, IWB was like, that was the, that was where you carried. That was the big thing, you know, crossbreed was becoming a big deal. And, you know, they, they, they really, I think changed a lot in the industry in that, uh, in that segment of the market. But that was the big thing, you know, a, a hybrid Kydex holster IWB. Uh, so there were not many options, and what I tried was very uncomfortable, and I was basically trying to wear and carry that gun too deep and not exactly maybe in the right position so that every time I'd sit down or bend or move or walk, it was, you know, it was really hurting me. And so I said, well, this, this sucks. Screw this, you know, and I went to traditional IWB like everybody else did, did you know, did or does. Um, and over time, that's you know, I, I never liked IWB. Uh, it, it didn't fit me the way I felt it should. Uh, but I dealt with it because, well, I didn't feel like I had a better option. So over time, I finally come back around to going to that appendix position. And now we have a lot more options for appendix carry holsters out there. And I've gotten a lot smarter about how I do it and uh, understanding positioning of the gun and the holster both, you know, where on the waist and also how deeply it's worn, uh, things of that nature. And so for me, Jacob, my perspective is I see so many of these stories. And for me, re- the answer is I, I like to carry in the appendix position because for retention sake, it, it, it is, it's just better. It's a, it's a, it's a far superior position in that the gun's not behind me. It's not behind my hip. It's in front of me. It's easily accessed. 
Uh, and it's also super fast for me to draw from. Even if uh, my appendix carry holster has pretty, you know, uh, solid retention, it, the, because of the nature of the position being right in front of me and the presentation is shorter and all that, it's still a faster position to draw from. So I don't know about you, but I read these stories and I'm thinking appendix is, is where it's at. Yeah, I, I, like you said, I don't know that there's one solution that would solve all of these problems, but if there is one, it's definitely appendix carry. Frankly, that would be the thing to point out and say this this would be the most likely you know silver bullet to solve all these news stories uh, that we read today. And we have a, an episode, I'm not on it, I think it's you and Matthew, that's kind of dedicated to the topic of appendix carry. It's, I don't know, probably in the episode 50, 60-ish, somewhere in there. Maybe we could look it up. Oh, uh, but if that's something you want to learn more about, you can go to that. I'll also add, if you're on our email list, if you get our emails that we send out you know, several times a week from concealedcarry.com, look forward to some upcoming videos. In fact, later this week, we're going to be sending out a video that is specifically a how-to appendix carry video, something that Riley recorded and I just got done watching the, uh, the the final you know finished product, and it's really good. It talks about how to overcome some of the major concerns with safety and with comfort. So that is forthcoming. Watch for that e- for those emails. Yeah, totally. Uh, it was episode seventy six that Matthew Marister and I uh, recorded. That was it's titled "What About Appendix Carry?" Uh, and so I, I know it's funny because here we do this whole episode, and and you might be hearing us and thinking. Oh, okay. So appendix is the solution according to you guys. And that's the big takeaway. No, that's not the big takeaway. I mean, it is a a major takeaway in that it it frankly is a superior location on the body to carry as it addresses many of these retention issues. And, you know, like I said, speed of, of draw and access and all that for, for you, the shoot, you know, the intended shooter, it's just far superior, I think. However, it is not a position that's for everybody. Uh, frankly, I don't even think of it as a position that's ideal for a newer CCWer because I really want to see somebody that has solid safety uh, habits and skills and has you know solid uh, pistol handling skills before they really are carrying in the appendix position. And the reason being because it, it, it is a position that comes with some inherent risks. And the, I don't think so much for my personal self. Like I'm not thinking every time I, I put my gun on me in the appendix position that, Oh my gosh, I'm going to shoot my junk off. I don't think that way at all. Uh, but I'm aware of that, uh, obviously, but mainly because I, I have drilled it into my brain, you know, simple, basic pistol handling skills and safety that I'm super careful when I'm handling the gun and it's in the appendix position, I'm completely 100% comfortable with that now. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm careful and I'm slow when I go back to the holster. Right. And I think that's something that you got to do anyway, regardless of position you carry, but I think especially in the appendix position. But anyway, my point is, is I don't see it as being a solution for somebody that's really new to concealed carry. I'd rather them get, you know, some, some good skill and practice handling their gun, demonstrating safety, uh, supervised training is really great. And then maybe they can start thinking about it. Um, but also your body type, you might not, it might not work for you. And Jacob, I know for you, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge. Uh, 
I, I still think it's one that can be overcome for you. Uh, but you've, you're a lot skinnier dude than I am. And you've, you've commented to me before how you struggle a little bit carrying in that position. Frankly, it's beyond me that you're able to conceal anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a lot of it is also just the way you, you move and walk and things, you know, you spend a decade carrying in a certain position and you start to just kind of learn how to mask that gun and you change that up and you have to relearn some things. So anyone who tells me that, you know, I can't, that you know that 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 there's, it's too difficult. It's too challenging to to figure out the appendix position or whatever. Really, my answer is: well, you somehow overcame all those challenges to carry a gun at all. So it's clearly, you've proven you're capable of overcoming challenges to make this kind of a change. So again, it, it, and it may not. It might be a situation. A person might care, choose to carry appendix in some situations and not in others. Or as you put it, Riley, it might mean you know a different gun, different holster, different you know different habits, lifestyles, or just certain body types. It's not going to work. So yeah, it's not going to be a, a silver bullet for everybody, but I do think out of this conversation about retention, it's something that should not be ignored lightly. Right, right. And so I think further to sum it up, if, well, number one, I would say, if you haven't considered appendix carry before, I hope from this conversation and from these stories that you might consider it now. Secondly, if you're absolutely convinced or you've tried it and you've given it a fair shake and you're just like, you know what, appendix is not for me, I'm going to stick with IWB or small of back or some other position, then I'm going to suggest to you that based on these stories also, you've got some things to, to take away from this. And that is make sure your holster has really good retention, whether that be uh, active retention that requires, you know, uh, the removal of a strap, you know, a thumb break, uh, a button that you got to press, whatever it is, make sure that it has really good retention. And if it doesn't have really good active retention, then it re- then it really needs really amazing passive retention. Similar to like the Q-Series Covert holster that I was talking about as far as it, how it really clicks in just so positively and uh, and it doesn't remove easily. You mentioned some other holsters, Jacob, that require a little bit of a twist from Nate Square Tactical. I've seen a couple others. I think Uncle Mike's has one called the Reflex that's similar in that regard. And, and those are all cool and fine. The point is, the takeaway is for, for concealed carry positions, there are some positions that are better than others. And if you can't carry in one of those, I did well, really that one really awesome position, which, which I think is appendix, then you got to make sure that you're carrying with a good quality holster with excellent retention and that you are mentally and physically prepared as to what to do if someone tries to take your gun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good summary. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. Well, I've run out of really valuable insights to add. <laughs> no, I think we've, uh, you know, we've we've covered it for t- for today, and I, I hope this was of value to our listeners. Um, today's episode is brought to you by Guardian Nation, and right now is a great time to join Guardian Nation because if you join right now, two really huge benefits will come your way besides all the other really great benefits, but there's two really, really good ones. Number one, you're a little late to get in on this month's quarterly box. So the next quarterly box we ship is February. And this is the first month that you need, you know, like you have to be a member of this month. If you're going to pay, if you're going to pay monthly, which I'd recommend, if you're going to pay November, December, and January, that's one quarter, then you qualify for the box in February. So that's one big awesome, you know, reason to join Guardian Nation right now so that you qualify for that February box. 
Number two, you will be able to participate in our Black Friday sale, which this will be the second year we've done it. Last year was the first year. Uh, it was it was still a fairly new thing with Guardian Nation and all, and it was a raging success. A raging, raving, it doesn't matter. It was a freaking awesome success. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we uh, we had some really awesome products uh, that I mean, you 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 just wouldn't believe what some of the stuff was that uh, what it was going for price wise. Uh, but it was only available and open to our guardian nation members. And this year we've got some great stuff coming. Jacob, you teased in our news episode this week that we'll have some really cool custom, uh, branded, uh, uh, AR 15 lowers, uh, lower receivers for $40. I mean, I, I don't even know where you find that. <laughs> It's it's going to be a good deal. We got some gun safes. We got uh, cleaning products. We got holsters. We got training products. We have software. Um, we have loaders. We have packs. We have a lot of stuff everywhere from you know at least thirty percent off, but a lot of this you know seventy eighty percent off. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, you're going to want to be a part of that special Black Friday sale. Consider joining Guardian Nation today and also take part in our online premium training videos are 10% off all the time. 100% of the time year round, you get 10% off uh, in our store just by being a Guardian Nation member. It's it's a great time to be a member. So we hope that you'll consider joining now. GuardianNation.com. Today's other sponsor is SnagMag which we've talked a little bit about before. And if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Go check out this product, concealedcarry.com forward slash snag mag. This is a clever little way to carry a spare mag on you. And we're big advocates of carrying spare spare ammo. Uh, you never know when that magazine in your gun is going to break down or fail on you. Uh, you might think, oh, I've got six or eight or 12 or 15 shots on my gun. That's as long as that magazine continues to function, right? That's something we maybe don't consider sometimes. Sometimes we think, well, maybe I'll shoot through those 15 rounds in my Glock 19 and I'll need a spare. Maybe you'll get off three rounds, Jacob, and your magazine breaks. Has that happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, some sort of failure. Yeah. So I'm a big believer in, you know, two is one, one is none. Be prepared, have a backup, have a backup plan and option. And it's really easy to have a spare mag on your person. And some ways of carrying spare mags are are superior than others. And the Snag Mag product is a really cool way to solve that problem. It allows you to carry a spare mag in your pocket. And it just simply looks like like you've got a, a, a knife, you know, with a clip on your pocket. But you reach in there and it indexes your mag in your hand with your index finger very easily and intuitively and it comes out quickly and bam you're reloaded so snag mag great innovative way a covert way of carrying a spare magazine once again concealedcarry.com forward slash snag mag go check it out and now we're on to picks of the week i'm gonna let you go first what's your pick this week jacob it's my 511 TAC A2 gloves. There's a lot of tactical shooting gloves on the market. I got to admit, I haven't tried a ton of them, mostly because the first gloves I ever tried, I like them so much. I love my 511 gloves. Uh, you and I just got done uh, doing two days of shooting, you know, through and around broken glass. And so I just, 
you know, I, in fact, I think I made the comment to you to the effect of, you know, broken glass or not. I just prefer wearing gloves to not wearing gloves when I'm running a gun for, you know, five, six, seven hours. It's just, it's just more comfortable for me. And I love these gloves. I can wear them all day at the range and it doesn't affect my, my draw. It doesn't affect my shooting at all. I'm, I'm a big fan and they're very affordable. I might add the 511 TAC A2 gloves are very affordable. So you can check those out. You can get them on 511 site. They're on Amazon. They're on LA police gear. They're all over the place. Nice. Good pick. I always like good, good gloves, shooting gloves. Uh, and those ones are cheaper than my preferred gloves and I'm not going to rain on your parade, but, uh, but that, those are very good gloves for the price. I, I know that for yeah. a fact. Yep. Hard to lose. Yep. Uh, my pick this week is the FN 509, which is this new pistol, uh, from FN that they say is based on their, uh, MHS contract gun. So they were competing, uh, with, along with, uh, everybody else for this big U S army handgun, uh, contract and, uh, they did not win. And so they took their design for that. Uh, they, they, they haven't come right out and said, you know, this is exactly what they were submitting. They just said that this gun is based around the MHS gun that they submitted. Uh, so I don't know what that all entailed or what it looked like, but I'll tell you the FN 509 is a winner in my book. Uh, I've yeah. shot the, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I've shot the F- FNPs and the FNSs, and you've got an FNS, and it's a great little gun, but I prefer the I prefer the FN509 to it. I would love to hear, in your opinion, what is different about the 509 from the FNS because on the surface they look pretty dang much the same. They do look very much the same. A couple of things that are different for me that I that I appreciate uh, is the the grip. I think is a little bit for me. It's better on the FN509. Uh, I, I, I don't even know how to exactly quite put it into words, but it, it's, it's a really nice stippling that's on there for, I think, defensive and aggressive shooting, but it's not overly, to me, the FNS feels like, like, I don't even know how to like something's poking you while you're holding it. Yeah. I can't say it feels like sandpaper because it doesn't. It's not like like a bed of nails. Yeah, Yeah. It's like a bed of nails. There you go. Like really tiny Net, uh, nail heads or, or nail points, you know, all like stacked right next to each other. And you're squeezing, you know, cause I, I grip my gun really tightly. And so the FNS kind of, it's not that comfortable for me. And, and the thing is, is like, I can shoot a gun that feels like sandpaper. In fact, I like that, like sandpaper on a gun. Yeah. It's rough on the hands, but you have amazing grip and it doesn't hurt me the way these little nail points on the FNS grip hurt me. The FN 509 tones that down, I think a little bit, but it's still very aggressive for a good, firm, solid uh, grip. The other thing I actually like the slide has got a little bit different contour. The front of it's uh, like the, the upper portion of slides got a little bit taper similar to we're seeing that from like the 320 and a couple other guns out there. And I know that's a silly, simple little thing, but if you um, ever rack your slide, even for a chamber check, uh, where you kind of you know you, you you hold the the front those front serrations on the slide and pull back, it's just a little bit easier, I think, and more comfortable uh, and more positive and secure to do that way. And it's weird because when I hold them side by side and I check the triggers between the FNS and the FN 509s, they feel the same. But for some reason, the FN 509 seems to shoot better for me i i can't quite and that could be related to grip it could be related to a couple other things but i do not shoot the fns as well as i shoot the fn 509 so that could be a very personal thing for me it may not be true for everybody but regardless i think the fn 509 is a winner and i've put hundreds of rounds through it and it's 
been a complete, you know, flawless 100% performer. So as far as reliability goes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Up next for me, I've got tons of dry fire practice and why, what about or why, uh, you know, cause I'm always doing dry fire practice, but, but specifically I'm going to be working on, uh, some more competitive things. I'm going to try to use the winner to get really dialed in on some three gun stuff. And uh, I try to balance that with, you know, my defensive, uh, focused dry fire and, and as a general rule, by the way, I try to make my competitive shooting style s- as similar as possible to my defensive. I mean, like I try to make it the same, especially with a handgun. Uh, but uh, but one thing that three gun does is a lot of shotgunning and, and reloads of shotguns. And that's something I really got to work on this winter. So that's going to be one thing I'm working a lot on. Okay. Well, up next for me, a couple of product launches. So be watching out for emails. We have a physical product that we're launching here in the next seven days. And then with that, we'll be teasing and then later launching a online video training course product, uh, which I think we've hinted at plenty and it's, it's coming. So anyway, needless to say, it's a lot of work. And so that's what's next in my world. Cool, cool. Well, we are, I'm excited and I know you're excited. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, Really exciting time as we get this uh, these products launched. And you, you've mentioned and we've talked about and teased that we've got this uh, vehicle fighting course uh, that we shot a video for this last week. And uh, I'm super excited to see how that turns out. Also a little, a little, a little bit apprehensive. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you put so much, you, you kind of pour your, your heart and soul into, and then you're afraid that something's going to, you know, just not be as good as you hope it to be but actually i think it's going to be really great and i'm excited to see how it turns out so anyway well it's time to sign off uh we will see you all again next week uh with uh, more news stories as well as tactics tips and tricks here from the concealed carry podcast uh jacob you want to say goodbye 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 to you, sir. I guess I'll be seeing you probably sometime soon. (laughs) Anyway, folks, take care, train right, train off, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. See you later. reminder that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws the concealed carry podcast concealed carry inc concealed carry.com and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm related incidents and laws but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this we cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast